you're listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Brought to you in association with OvertimeIreland.com. Now, here's the OTI guys. Hello, welcome back to the OTI Podcast. We call him Kelly, bringing the show as always. Joined again by Doug Moore on the other side of the microphone or whatever, uh, in your earbuds. I don't know what way we're going to call it, but uh, Doug is here with me. And we're looking forward to tonight's show, Doug. There's no doubt about it. We've been joined by Evan Silva off Roto World with Rotopad on last week. And I have to say, uh, I know I know Doug's excited about this one. I am very excited about this. This is the guy who, who uh, you know, takes time every single year uh, and writes a preview for all 32 teams. So he doesn't just focus on fantasy football. He focuses on every single team, and he's very in-depth with it. Um, and, and, you know, we're talking about the AFC East tonight, and I'm extremely excited for this. I was I, I was telling you a couple weeks ago, I'm really hoping we, uh, you know, we get him on. And, and uh, maybe it seemed like a pipe dream at the time, but, but we, <laughs> we got him on, and it's going to be a great show. I can't wait. Yeah, OTI where pipe dreams happen. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> well, uh, when we're talking about Evan, you said he is, uh, he writes about all 32 teams uh, for the season preview. There's a lot of people, Doug, that write about all 32 teams for the season preview, but nobody wants to listen to them. Evan, on the other hand, everyone wants to see what he has to say. And uh, we are, he's on uh, the Fantasy Feast podcast with Ross Tucker and many, many other places. But Roto World is his main port of call. And uh, looking forward to getting him on in just a few minutes to talk AFC East, as Doug mentioned. Uh, obviously, if you're listening to the show, Show. you've i don't know where you've got it you might be streaming it might be listening on itunes stitcher it's basically available everywhere that you can listen to podcasts but uh, if you are on itunes uh, go hit that subscribe button and then give us uh, a nice comment and hopefully uh, if you've enjoyed the show a five-star rating after let's try and keep moving those ratings up and up as we move forward towards the nfl season Plugged it last week on the show, uh, obviously we are linked up now with the NFL Europe shop. It is the same as NFLshop.com, but it is the European version. And we've linked up with them and they have given all OTI listeners a 10% discount code. It is OTI10. It's as simple as that. Put it in at checkout. Save 10% off all products and uh, it helps support the pod as well. So do get involved with that if you're uh, looking for some gear ahead of the season. They have a, a nice selection, whether it's hats, uh, hoodies, so on, team jerseys. Get it kitted out. Maybe you have uh, a girlfriend or a, a wife that you want to get some of your team's gear. Go on there. They have all the woman's stuff as well. Get that kitted out. And it is OTI10 at checkout. Um, I love to do plugs at the start of shows. And Doug has mentioned on the last couple that we're also linked up with Fantrax.com. That is F-A-N-T-R-A x.com and we're tweeting out links to uh, different leagues they've got coming up another way you can help support the podcast uh, some of the codes include a five dollar credit to your account after you sign up to those leagues so i know uh, we do uh, plugs here from time to time i was getting the two of them and i promise you there will be no more on to possibly the end of the show but uh let's uh, with that all out of the way let's get into the nfl news and uh, the afc east and to do that we're going to be joined by evan silva Hi, this is Ross Tucker, and you're listening to the Overtime Ireland Podcast. Usually when we get uh, guys on the show, we'd like to give them a little introduction, but I think this guy probably needs uh, no introduction going forward. We had Rotopat on the show last week, and let's just say uh, this guy is another step above that in the Rotoword ladder, uh, kind of the head honcho <laughs> over there, senior senior uh, editor of all the football stuff you see on rotoword.com. It is Evan Silva. Evan, uh, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, and um, I will try to uh, live up to that introduction. I mean, Rotopat's pretty good. 
Yeah, Rotopad is good. Uh, we've had him on a good few times, but uh, it's always it's always brilliant to get new guests on and somebody that I respect so much. Uh, delighted to have you aboard. Um, obviously, the NFL news has really kicked into hyperdrive over the last couple of days yeah. with uh, you know training camps getting kicked off. We had all the people going on the PUP list uh, for the first couple of days of the training camps, and then unfortunately with that, you see some guys getting injured, getting nicked up. But I know uh, I love Twitter. It's one of the best uh, kind of resources, and particularly for fantasy football, trying to get that information as quick as you can. But has the uh, NFL hysteria and basically what you see on Twitter gotten really out of control. We've seen a couple of guys this week in uh, OBJ's uh, little uh, graze in his ankle, Julio's tweaked knee, and uh, we all started to kind of lose our minds once anything came out until we got a little bit more information. Yeah, it started to pick up quite a bit. <laughs> I mean, and it's going to be like this, just a steady stream. You know, yeah. if, I mean, I, I follow, you know, 300 beat writers on Twitter, and it's just a steady stream. Some beat writers are smart enough to not tweet the play-by-play of each practice and they will just uh, put all their thoughts into a a notebook, you know, a little blog post. Uh, But there are definitely beat writers that are letting us know when, you know, a backup cornerback drops an interception, (laughs) Um, you know, so it's a lot of stuff to sift through, but it's, it's like, it's always a challenge. Yeah. So as the week went on, I guess we'll get into the worst part of the news first the most the confirmed injury was stevie johnson of the chargers he tore his meniscus in his knee uh, he's right. going to have surgery on that so he's likely he's out for the near term future i'd imagine he's going to miss uh, the majority if not all of this upcoming season but i did say like stories like julio's tweaked knee he's going to miss a few days uh, odell beckham's going to miss uh, a couple of trainings i wouldn't be too worried about that uh, right. peterson as well with a little hamstring tweak we will see players even though they've been staying in great condition over the off season uh, when you start to get back into these uh, with the team you're going to pick up some niggles but uh we had as well then on the other side deandre hopkins he had a a little bit there was a dramatic kind of twitter verse uh, spilling out uh, during the week and it was that he was going to sit out that uh was that the the least dramatic holdout of all time yeah i mean what did it last like i think like maybe eight hours maybe <laughs> yeah i don't know but uh, um one but, part but, but glad that it ended quickly um there i'll add another injury that yeah. actually is fairly significant and that would be cj Procise. Yeah. uh the seahawks drafted him i think number 90 overall in the third round and he's a guy that they wanted to play right away in a passing down role and there is even some support in the fantasy community for him to maybe be more than just a third down back a lot of people like him Uh, but he's going to miss the next seven to ten days with a hamstring strain that of course is an injury that has been known to reoccur and it also is probably going to hold him out actually will definitely hold him out of the Seahawks preseason opener. So that will give more opportunities to guys like Kristen Michael, who apparently has showed up uh, really impressing the coaching staff this camp. And uh, also Alex Collins, uh, a fifth round pick out of Arkansas a guy was really productive in college. Yeah. And it's, it's hard to get through many fantasy football shows without getting uh, Christine Michael's name dropped in there at some point, but you mentioned, you know, the running back situation and it is an interesting one because Rawls is obviously on the PUP along with Jimmy Graham for the Seahawks. And they're both expected to be ready for week one, but there definitely is an opportunity there for guys to, to, you know, to be that secondary back. And then of course, if he does linger with that ankle injury that you know could step up into the role but as you mentioned their hamstring injuries can uh, you know tend to kind of string out over the course of the season another injury while it's not muscular it is one that has to be kept an eye on it's uh, John Brown as well with a, a concussion so yep. he's gonna he's gonna miss obviously a couple of at least a couple of days maybe a week with uh, that there and we'll see how he goes back into it and then 
on the defensive side of the ball for the Panthers. Cornelia, he's in concussion protocol as well. But uh, then the other only real bit of news that I have, unless either you guys have something to hit on, is Reggie Bush uh, signing with the Buffalo Bills, a one-year contract up to $3 million. Uh, that includes incentives, but that's uh, somebody who I, I don't expect him to be much more than, you know, maybe uh, sometimes on third down, but it seems like the Bills have him kind of slotted in for that uh, kind of punt and kick return role. Do you, yeah. From a fantasy perspective, nothing to see there, really? I don't think so. I pretty much agree with your take. I think that if LaShawn McCoy were to miss time because Carlos Williams is on suspension and we don't know if he's going to be in shape when the suspension is over. So I'm not really considering him a factor right now. So Mike Gillisley's number two on the depth chart. And then if LaShawn McCoy got hurt, I think we might see Gillisley as the sort of early down grinder and Reggie Bush as the passing down back. I think that if McCoy got hurt, uh, Reggie Bush might come into play in PPR leagues, but right now I'm, I'm not really viewing him as a big factor. Like he definitely need at least one guy ahead of him to get hurt to be to have to be any you know fantasy relevant at all. Yeah, and with the situation in Buffalo too, with uh, obviously McCoy being the lead back, but behind him it has become such a jumbled mess with all the stuff that's going on with the two Williams and all this offseason. So I think we'll just we'll be talking obviously about the AFC now in a minute. So maybe we'll get a time to, to talk a little bit more about it. Jumping into the AFC, and we'll start off with the New York Jets. Obviously, uh, since we did our last podcast, Ryan Fitzpatrick signed that one year contract that he was kind of looking for twelve million dollars coming his way, a chance to make up to fifteen million, uh, but that there basically means that he has to get the team to win the Super Bowl next year and even the most diehard Jets fans out there I don't think are holding out for that but Fitzpatrick getting the deal done um, your thoughts on how that affects basically the rest of uh, the outlook for this Jets team with obviously Marshall and Decker there and Ryan Fitzpatrick is he somebody that you're looking to acquire as a quarterback uh, for the 2016 season? I think he's a little interesting because he's he goes really late in draft still. I mean, his ADP hasn't moved up a whole lot. I mean, it's moved up, but still to the point where he's just go- barely going ahead of like Brock Osweiler and Teddy Bridgewater. And this is a guy who finished top 10 in the NFL in touchdown passes last year, was useful in favorable matchups and has two touchdown scoring wide receivers that are going to keep scoring TDs. And the Jets schedule is really, really difficult this season Uh, Our strength of schedule analyst Warren Sharp had them as the third most difficult schedule in the league, uh, and they lost Chris Ivory, uh, who they used primarily in, uh, I mean, he finished, he led the NFL in carries inside the opposing five-yard line. Uh, He was up there, I think he was number seven among running backs in red zone carries. So I think that Fitzpatrick could still have some games where because the schedule is tough, they might be playing from behind and, uh, you know, he's he's going to throw touchdown passes. So I think he'll have uh, I, I think right now he's a pretty good value in drafts. I mean, he's going deep in the 20s among quarterbacks. So, Evan, I actually uh, and I want to get your opinion on this while we're talking about Fitzpatrick and just the Jets in general. Um I wrote an article the other day. I'm shameless plug, and I talked to I I talked a little bit about Ryan Fitzpatrick and the whole Jets offense. Really, how does it how does it shape out now with Ryan Fitzpatrick back in the fold as as we get closer and closer and, and had no idea. But uh, I have Fitzpatrick. Obviously, I think for a guy like him, even with the weapons he has, throwing for nearly four thousand yards and over thirty touchdowns is probably something we may not see again um, from him. I don't think. 
Um, I had him around the 32 to 3,500 range, uh, 14, uh, I'm sorry, not 14, 18, but uh, 23, 25 touchdowns. I have him pegged probably in the 14 to 18 quarterback range. Does that sound modest? Do you think that's about right? I'm just curious what your take is, obviously. No, I think that that's about right. I mean, you know, I, I don't necessarily know that he's going to repeat what he did last year. I mean, they they were able to do, you know, against that really soft schedule, they were pretty much able to do whatever they wanted against opposing defenses. I mean, they had, you know, they have physically dominant receivers um, and the schedule is tougher. So while that can lead to a better, you know, pass volume in terms of game flow, it can also, you know, I mean, they're going to be playing the NFC West this year. Um, and, I don't I don't necessarily know that he's a great bet to repeat top 10 in the NFL and touchdown passes, but I think that he will still be a guy who is capable of having big games, of having games where he throws for over 300 yards and throws three touchdowns because of the playmakers that are around him. So while I don't really want to draft him as a starter, um, I, I he's certainly going to be a guy who's always on my radar as a waiver wire pickup. I like him in uh, MFL 10s to be your uh, quarterback two or quarterback three. And I think that there will be weeks in daily fantasy where he becomes pretty interesting based on the matchup. But you're right. I don't know that from a season-long statistical projection standpoint, he's a guy that I want to look at as, ooh, you know, this is a guy I want to start every week. Yeah, he's somebody that even last year I didn't – I thought there was a lot of times where, you know, those interceptions dropped and then he got touchdowns oh, yeah. in the next pass and so on. So he's not somebody I think that's going to have that statistical year again, but we'll see what he does. And when you have players like Marshall and Decker as well, you're obviously going to have ex- – they're going to fight for balls that a lot of wide receivers aren't going to make plays on. But you've mentioned there again uh, twice since uh, we started the strength of schedule and you, you've talked about it in uh, your season previews. I've heard you talking about it in the, the Fantasy Feast with uh, Ross Tucker. And uh, the, you're talking about strength of schedule based on the Vegas win totals is that correct uh yes Vegas win totals yes and it's an interesting I've you're the first person I've heard really taking it into the Vegas side of things because we do know that the the bookmakers are so little of the time wrong on a consistent basis and I think that's a better way to look at it versus last year's you know how the teams looked last year because obviously the teams are going to look very different so I do think it's an interesting take on it and it's one that I think more and more people will start to come around to and uh I definitely think it's worth noting because uh, I'm I, I, I'm living in Ireland, so it's there's no problem gambling here. So uh, Vegas is usually on the right side of things. So let me let me say one more thing about that. Um, yeah, so I think for a long time, you know, strength of schedule analysis has been kind of frowned upon in in fantasy analysis yeah. because we know that we are going to be wrong about some defenses and how strong or or weak you know we project them to be. We're going to be wrong about some teams, how good they're going to be. Uh, but we also know pr- from playing daily fantasy that weekly matchups have a, you know, they play a major role in game flow, both play a major role in fantasy production. So if we can come up with a formula that we can, you know, increase our chances of being able to analyze or predict um, how good a team or how good a defense is going to be, we need to use that. So, um, yeah, I, I've definitely uh, incorporated strength of schedule into my analysis uh, more over the past two off seasons, and I plan to continue to do it because we know that it matters. Yeah, I think it definitely does, and it's like it's like you said in daily fantasy. One of the first things you'll hear people talk about is the the over under line for you know if you're looking for a high scoring shootout game to try and right. get some value in players. So it is definitely, and you're you're basically taking that and projecting it out over the entire season. So definitely good analysis there. Uh, just on the backfield and the New York Jets situation, obviously Matt Forte coming over from the Chicago. 
Chicago Bears. You've Bilal Powell, who finished the season incredibly strong last year, basically in PPR formats, a lot of catches down the stretch there. And then uh, Kyrie Robinson came over from the Saints as well, and he was playing quite well before his leg injury with them. Out of those, can you see uh, Forte getting a three-down role, or do you think it'll be a bit of a, a committee, even though uh, some fans might want to look at it that way? Well, I think that Bilal Powell and Matt Forte's skill sets are pretty similar. Yeah. So I think that to some extent they can be used interchangeably. And I don't necessarily mean that I expect, you know, Matt Forte to get 14 touches and Bilal Powell to get 14. Um, but I think that it could be like 17 and 13. And if and that and also Matt Forte has long struggled as a short yardage back. And Bilal Powell has been pretty good in that role. Kyrie Robinson is also a candidate for that role uh, as well. But I mean, I think that there's a chance that the Jets use Bilal Powell in enough red zone situations and scoring positions situations that he could be a factor as a touchdown scorer as well. Um, So I really like, I actually like both of these guys at their price points. I think that Forte gives you a good chance of getting an RB1, especially in PPR leagues, and you can usually get him in the middle of the fourth round. I mean, he started to fall, actually, uh, because a lot of fantasy analysts are down on him. I'm not too down on him. I mean, I I have no problem taking him in the fourth round in a PPR. And then Bilal Powell, even with some fantasy analysts up on him, he still usually... I never see him go above the 10th round or so. So I like both of those guys for their value or, or, or for, for their draft costs right now in PPR lease. Yeah. So uh, Evan, with that, and again, I'll, I'm going to reference back to my, my article, not, you know, not saying I'm right or anything, but um, you know, one of the things we, we noticed with the Jets is last year. Now, granted, this was with Chris Ivory at the, at the helm. They had the 10th most mm-hmm. rushing attempts last year. Um, and, you know, this team really isn't changing that much. You know, they still have the same offensive personnel, really, outside of the running backs, outside of Forte for for um, for Ivory. Do you still think that Forte, workload-wise, could be a running back one, even as standard, even though PPR is obviously his <laughs> quote-unquote Forte? I mean, I think he could if he stayed healthy for 16 games and just compiled. Um, but I think that... Matt Forte is a little bit less desirable in a um, in a non PPR league. The first thing I'm looking for in a in a non PPR running back is the ability to score touchdowns. You know, this is a this is a kind of format where I'm willing to reach a couple of rounds to get a guy like Legarrette Blunt. Um, you know, this is a guy where I'm upgrading a guy like Chris Ivory and really not even looking at um, you know T.J. Yeldon. Uh, you know, it's it, it's you, you you what I'm what I'm targeting are touchdown scores, and I don't think he's going to be a prolific touchdown scorer. I think he'll be useful in non PPR leagues, but I don't think he's going to be a weekly difference maker. So when you say RB one, you know, does that just mean he could finish top twelve at the end of the season? Sure, he could if he stays healthy and he compiles, and running backs get hurt like they always do. He could definitely finish top twelve, but in terms of like a, a difference-making fantasy running back in non-PPR leagues, I don't necessarily see Matt Forte as that. Um, just the last question on the New York Jets, um, Evan. Jason Morrow, anything to see here or move along? You know, I kind of like Jason Morrow as a prospect coming out of Texas Tech. Yeah. But until I see him really do something, you know, no amount of beat writer positive <laughs> buzz is going to move me. Uh, so, I mean, if you're in a super deep dynasty league, yeah. does it make sense to maybe keep Jason Morrow as your third or fourth tight end? Yeah. 
But, you know, I, I want to see him at least like do something in a preseason game or, you know, it maybe it maybe in week one, catch four balls for 60 yards. I mean, that would be a big step for him. Yeah, and I agree. Uh, and Dynasty Leagues is the only place I'd be looking to have him. I actually have him in a few Dynasty Leagues, but after missing all of last year, you'd like to see him get on the field and uh, produce something first of all before looking at, into him in any other formats. On to the Miami Dolphins, obviously the big story with them this week was uh, Arian Foster being activated from the PUP list. Uh, you know, there's glowing reports about how well he done in conditioning and so on. Uh, I think some of that, and I would say the majority of that is just uh, coach speak and so on. And uh, then Jay Ajayi has missed the last couple of days with a bone break on his left knee that is the knee that he tore his ACL in in college and obviously coming in around the combine and that there was obviously the worries of uh, the bone-on-bone contact that was uh, talked about in his left knee so worrying uh, signs there for him again that was obviously the long-term concern for him but uh, Foster's value will continue to rise and uh, Ajayes will continue to drop down another bit not a backfield where I'm really trusting anyone. Yeah. But if I did want somebody, it would be Arian Foster because I think I might get a few games of solid production out of him. I mean, Adam Gase has been really talking him up as a receiving back. And Arian Foster looked really good as a receiver last year. I mean, averaged over 10 yards per reception. You know, didn't didn't do a whole lot in the ground on the ground, but he was a prolific PPR producer in his four games last year. And it sounds like Aaron Foster really wants to embrace that role. Um, so I think that he has some fantasy value and he's got, I mean, he's always been a great uh, scoring position back. So he's got a chance to score some TDs for you too. It's just how long is he going to last? You know, is it two games? Is it four? Is it, I mean, he, he crushes value where you get him right now. If he plays like eight, nine, 10 games, yeah. you know, he, he will crush value because he goes, um, uh, seventh at the earliest, but usually eighth and ninth rounds. And Jay Ajayi, I mean, he looks like a backup with an injury and a player that the Dolphins don't trust a whole lot. So, I mean, maybe an, an end of the bench roster stash for Jay Ajayi, but right now the expectations are pretty low. So, so Evan, I want to move, and, and trust me, this is a situation besides Jay Ajayi, uh, the other guy, you know, the other only guy besides Matt Jones that I did not like this year, but that's, I don't want to talk too much about Matt Jones. That was the last show. Um, but I want to move into the wide receivers a little bit. Uh, obviously, we have Jarvis Landry. This is, I believe, his third year coming into the league. A, a, a PPR monster, a reception machine, um, where we've seen him. I, I think we even saw him hit 100 receptions last year or something close to it. And then we have Devontae Parker, who first-round pick out of Louisville last year, a very highly touted wide receiver. He had some injury issues that kept him out, but he started to, to flash a little bit, and we've seen positive reports this offseason. Is this a situation where, depending on the scoring format, uh, for you at least, where someone like Jarvis Landry is better in PPR and Parker finishes below him and then vice versa in standard um, Parker is better than Landry? Or do you have one squarely over the other? I have Jarvis Landry ahead of Devontae Parker in both. Uh, I'm not one of these guys that like tries to downplay Jarvis Landry because he ran a slow 40 time at the combine. <laughs> um, he's a good bet to catch a hundred balls again this year. Uh, he's going to average nine to 10 targets a game. I am a big believer in quarterback wide receiver on field relationships. Um, you know, in the past, not paying attention to quarterback wide receiver relationships has burned me. And also when I have, uh, when I have paid attention to wide receiver, uh, quarterback relationships, it has helped me a lot. Uh, so, 
I think that Ryan Tannehill and Jarvis Landry have that, and I don't, I don't think that's going to change a whole lot. With that said, I think that Devontae Parker can be a useful fantasy player, perhaps an every-week starter, especially in a non-PPR league, as soon as this season. I think that this is going to be a pretty concentrated passing offense. I don't think... I, I, you know, I don't know how good Jordan Cameron is. He's really had, he's only had one season as a top 20 fantasy tight end. And if you go back and look, I mean, he's only had a few really big games uh, and he was awful last year. I mean, so bad that he had to take a pretty significant pay cut or else he just, he would have been released. Yeah. Uh, so I'm looking at this to be a pretty concentrated passing game with Jarvis Landry, with Devonte Parker and with Arian Foster for ha- however long he lasts. You know, um, I don't think that Kenny Stills is going to be a guy that's going to catch a lot of balls. And Leontay Carew may eventually be that, but I'm not sure that he's going to do that as a third-round rookie this season. So I think that Landry and Devontae Parker can kind of both get theirs. I expect, of course, Landry to be more consistent and Parker to be kind of more, uh, you know, he'll, he'll have a big game and he'll have a slower game. I mean, he's going to have to contend with some difficult corners on the outside. You know, that's where defenses play their best corners on the perimeter. Oftentimes we won't even see the number one corner move into the slot to cover Jarvis Land, you know, to cover slot receivers like Jarvis Landry. Yeah. They will play the, the, you know, the big threat on the outside and Jarvis Landry is just going to continue to vacuum in targets. Yeah, you mentioned as well there the quarterback chemistry with uh, the wide receiver, obviously Tannehill and Landry in this particular instance. And when you look back to this time last year, you know we were starting to talk Tannehill up as possibly moving into that you know top ten in fantasy because he was at one stage last season he picked up I think it was five games in a row with forty nine or more rushing yards, and we started to talk about the possibility of him adding that to his game. Then last season we just didn't see it, and we were all this time last year too hyping up Cameron and so on, and it just didn't really click outside of Landry for anyone in Miami um, if you're looking this year do you think there's any possibility we see Tannehill take that step obviously we know he was a former wide receiver it takes time to develop anyway coming into the league and it's taken him a little bit more time maybe do you think that he can step up his uh, game this year and prove to be fantasy relevant I do I do um, but I don't know if it's going to happen early in the season because yeah. the Dolphins start out the schedule at Seattle in week one at New England in week two uh, Tannehill might be interesting in week three against the Browns, but then they go at Cincinnati. Yeah, it's in not week easy. Four. Right. <laughs> so it's, it's a difficult start, but it, it levels off a lot after that. And yeah, I mean, Tan- Tannehill in my best ball drafts, I've started to take him. Um, he goes 13th round. He gives you rushing potential. He's got two bona fide playmakers in the passing game. I don't know how good this team is going to be from a run game standpoint. And I also think they might be in a lot of shootouts because their pass defense looks really, really ugly, ugly right now. They are relying on Byron Maxwell to be their number one corner. Yeah. Their number two corner is Tony Lippett, a converted wide receiver from Michigan State, who apparently in practice has been getting burned up by Jakeem Grant, uh, a fifth round rookie who weighs about 180 pounds soaking wet. And their pass rushers are Cameron Wake, 34 years old and coming off a torn Achilles, and Mario Williams, 31 years old, who uh, quit on his team last year. So I think this is kind of a sneaky shootout team. I think they've got some serious weapons at receiver. And uh, I I do like Tannehill as a best ball pick, but he's going to be on a lot of waiver wires. I I get the feeling 
uh, after about the first four weeks. Yeah, I think he's one of those guys that could have the, that sneaky potential, and he's not been talked about all that much in fantasy circles at the moment. Moving on to the New England Patriots, we all know that Tom Brady is going to miss those first four games. Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be standing in there for him, and uh, I know Doug was up uh, in Foxborough this past weekend uh, at the the training camp with the New England Patriots, looking at some stuff there. So I'm going to let him carry out most of the the Patriots questions. But uh, first uh, on Jimmy Garoppolo, is he just somebody you're staying away? from in those first four weeks and then after that uh, Tom Brady after missing those four weeks uh, his value for the rest of the season um, you know if he comes back and does anything like he did last year has to still be in that uh, top eight kind of range even missing those first four games um, I think Jimmy Garoppolo if we see him look comfortable in the week one game against Arizona at Arizona then he goes back home and he faces the Dolphins who I just talked about yeah. And I think he could be interesting in that week two game as a streamer. But I'm looking at different quarterbacks with a little bit safer floors, with a little bit safer track records to nurse me through those first four weeks if I'm using a draft pick on Tom Brady. And that includes Tony Romo. Uh, That might include Alex Smith, who you can get for free in drafts. He faces uh, the Chargers in week one at home. That'll be a good spot for Alex Smith. And then in week four at Pittsburgh, that could be a little bit of a shootout uh, and a pretty good matchup for Alex Smith. Uh, Kirk Cousins has a really good schedule in the first four games, and so does Derek Carr. So, I mean, you know, not not huge expectations for Jimmy Garoppolo, but I'm certainly going to be watching him. I mean, I want to try to get a feel for how good he is. Yeah, no, and that's definitely a good point. You know, obviously Garoppolo very hyped up. We haven't seen a lot of him uh, besides the preseason. And granted, preseason is preseason. He's put up some pretty decent stats, especially um, you know last year. Um, you know because well, they the, thought the they... year before that he ripped it up with Brian Timms. Do you remember that? Yes, <laughs> it, it, I don't. And you'll uh, you can ask calm because it must have been a week it must have been a week or two before and i brought up brian tims being on the the colts and i'm thinking he and unfortunately now he's on the injured reserve and i got really sad about it i got really (laughs) sad about it um so um, yeah (laughs) um but you know with with garoppolo you know obviously it's a big unknown he has some tough matchups he's playing the cardinals week one Mm -hmm. he's playing the texans who have boasted a pretty decent secondary buffalo obviously has a good secondary and then you face miami as well i believe that um well you know you just went over their their um their secondary and it it might be a juicy matchup for him um but yeah i I think in that week two game i'm going to use gronk against miami yeah, no, I just there's not a lot to be worried about this this Dolphins defense and yeah. and I feel bad for for Dolphins fans in general, <laughs> but but uh, yeah, I, I I don't see much out of this defense and I think it's going to be a, a defense where you know like in 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 uh you know in uh, DFS where we target it every week because it's just yep. not going well. Um, but moving into so I have a question about the running backs and and more specifically I'm going to ask you first. This question is pertaining to an article I'm going to be writing for Scout. Can I use whatever you quote? In my article. Sure, man. Sure. Okay. <laughs> awesome. So, Legarrette Blunt. We haven't seen him on the field. He wasn't there on uh, on Sunday when I was there. Coming off a hip injury, he suffered late last season. He was resigned back in April. Um, and, and you know, we've seen a situation where uh, they brought in Donald Brown. They still have Joey Iosofa. To me, if he's not playing right now, and maybe I'm overreacting. I'm looking at his contract. The team could save $900,000 by cutting him. He's a dead cap of 100000 But I'm curious to what you think. Is LeGarrette Blunt a lock for the roster? 
Well, I know that Mike Reese wrote that he isn't. But <laughs> Mike Reese didn't consider him a lock, you know. Right. Um, you know, with Dolan Brown, he's not necessarily he's not a, necessarily a great player, but at least he can provide both um, in the run game and also in the receiving game. Um, and then we have a guy like Ayusefa. Um, I'm just curious what you think because that's actually my, <laughs> my article is is he a lock? And obviously, you did a team preview of them uh, along with every other team in the league. So I just wanted to get your your take on it. Do you think he's a guy who could be expendable if he if he uh, you know doesn't uh, do a lot in training camp or someone else steps up potentially? I'm just not sure that the Patriots have in place a plan to replace Legarrette Blunt, who has a specific role in their offense. I mean, if you look at his contract, he's not guaranteed a roster spot. Any player with a contract like his is not guaranteed a roster spot. He has a one year, $1 million deal with a hundred thousand guaranteed. You know, he's a running back who is a role player. So no, he's not guaranteed a roster spot theoretically, but I think that he has a role on the team. And if he stays healthy and he keeps his head on straight, then I think he could have a really big role on this team because I think that this team is going to be really freaking good this year. You know, certainly when Tom Brady comes back and LeGarrette Blunt in 30 career games as a Patriot, he scored 23 touchdowns. So my bet is that he's going to be on the team. And if he is on the team, he's going to be useful in fantasy football this year, like very useful. Fair enough. Yeah, no, I, I just think I think the one thing that concerns is that he's not on the PUP list, but at least from what I've heard and what I've seen, he hasn't been practicing yet, which doesn't mean he, he isn't going to be soon. But we, we haven't seen that. So I'm just that that's sort of why I brought up along with his contract, like you said. But I want I want to move forward to to a, a new addition, actually. Um, and I saw him yesterday. He actually was uh, he actually scored a touchdown on 11 on 11 yesterday uh, after Gronk scored two. But that's Martellus Bennett. I, I, uh, I'll spoil it a little bit. I made a bold prediction for Gridiron Experts that Martellus Bennett was going to be a top 10 fantasy tight end this year uh, simply because he's the, he's the best number two tight end they've had since Aaron Hernandez. I think it's pretty safe to say um, in terms of receiving ability. We saw Scott Chandler last year. He didn't do as well as we had hoped, even though he had flashed a little bit, especially against the Patriots when he was part of the Bills. But I, I want to get your take. Even with Gronk healthy, I would have to think that Bennett's going to be one of the the, the most targeted uh, guys in the red zone for the Patriots or just right. as a chain mover. Cause he's, he's a very good receiving tight end. Uh, it's just, obviously for those who've owned him in fantasy, he's dropped off at the second half of the season. He always starts off hot and then he drops off. And I'm wondering if that might happen here, but he's also surrounded by arguably the best team he's had in his career with the, uh, you know, a team that likes to run two tight end sets when they can. So that's what I'm curious about. Do you think I'm crazy? Even though I am a, a Patriots homer, obviously that, Bennett can be a top 10 quarter, uh, not quarterback, but tight end in fantasy this year. I do. I think that when you look <laughs> at those lower end tight end ones, really that's what you're searching for is guys who can score touchdowns. You know, why is Dwayne Allen appealing to us? Cause he can score touchdowns. You know, why is Antonio Gates so appealing to us? Because he's going to score some TDs. You know, why, why can these guys sneak into the back half of, you know, the, the lower end tight end one ranks because they, it's because they score TDs and um, Martellus Bennett can score touchdowns. You know, you mentioned Scott Chandler, his role was not nearly what Martellus Bennett's will be in this offense. He still had four TDs on 23 catches the year before that Tim Wright, he was a role player. He had only had 26 catches, but he had six touchdowns. You know, you can go back to Aaron Hernandez. I mean, you know, these guys are different players, but 
there is a precedent there for big, big usage when the Patriots determine that this dude's one of their best players. And I think that it won't be too hard to see that Martellus Bennett is one of their best players. And you have Edelman and Amendola both coming off uh, fairly significant surgeries. You have not a lot of clarity at uh, the perimeter receiver positions. Um, I'll be interested to see what Chris Hogan's role is. You know, it could be just a a, a headache sort of situation we, where we really don't know what his role is going to be from week to week. Um, he could also be the starting X receiver, but they could also not use, you know, a, 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 a starting X receiver in the classic sense because Gronk can line up there and Martellus can line up there too, you know, in, in, in certain sets. So I am leaning toward uh, the the position that he can be a top 10 fantasy tight end. I think I have him tight end 13 or tight end 14 right now in my rankings. Um, and if he ends up playing 70% of the steel of the Patriots snaps, with I, which I think is a distinct possibility, then he's going to definitely be useful in fantasy. Yeah, I was just going to say that. I think this year we're going to see a lot of Martellus Bennett, uh, Robin Krauske, and then Edelman and Almondville mixed in. I think there's going to be a, a lot yeah. of that foursome uh, in the combination, and I think uh, that there's a solid enough prediction you want to get those tight ends at uh, getting touchdowns, and I think that's what you're going to see there. Obviously, we all know what Robin Krauske can do. There's probably not much need to talk him up. And uh, with that, we'll go on to the Buffalo Bills. Obviously, you know, Tyrod Taylor last season didn't play every game of the season, but when he came in, he was a nice uh, surprise. You know, there was starting to get a little bit of buzz uh, just around this time last year after he came over from uh, the Baltimore Ravens and he, he fitted into that system quite well. But it obviously gives you the threat on the ground. And we talked as well earlier just for a moment about Ryan Tannehill and that threat. But um, although, you know, they're very, very different players, in my opinion, I think that uh, Tyrod Taylor this season can be a, a huge value, particularly with those yards on the ground. Is he somebody you mentioned, like particularly in baseball formats that you'd be targeting, uh, you know, when you get into that? quarterback in a two or three range and you're getting down around the 20 mark oh yeah oh yeah I, I, he's i think he's my highest owned quarterback in best ball right now <laughs> uh, in weeks one through five one through five last year he was the overall quarterback four in fantasy scoring and then he dealt with some injuries yeah um, but then he came back and got healthy and in weeks 12 through 17 to finish out the season he was the quarterback seven during that stretch um, one thing I really liked about him is that he showed like matchup proof potential. He had one of his biggest games against the Patriots, did a lot of the work in, uh, in kind of garbage time, but he had a monster game against them. Uh, and then in, in not garbage time, uh, against the Texans and against the chiefs, he had legitimately monster. I mean, just yeah. unbelievable games. I remember entering those weeks and being like, oh man, like, you know, trying to evaluate him from a DFS perspective. And I was like, oh man, he's not going to have any prayer. But he, he lit up the Chiefs and the Texans when they were both playing at their peak uh, in the second half of the season. And he's also a cheap way to get exposure to Sammy Watkins, who costs you a third round pick in fantasy drafts. But, you know, that's that's a little dicey, you know, for me. For yeah, a guy injury coming history. Off, yeah. yeah, coming off a Jones fracture. And the year before that, he had hip surgery. Um, so if you want a cheaper way to get exposure to Sammy Watkins without, you know, uh, spending a third round fantasy pick on him, you know, take Tyrod Taylor in the, th in the 13th round. Yeah, definitely. I definitely agree with you. And I think there's, 
you know, at the end of the season, we could be looking back saying that he's definitely the, the state of the quarterback position. I, I think I probably see him at all the quarterbacks listed around that range with the highest uh, upside. I know there's probably a lower floor there too because things could, you know, regress. We've seen quarterbacks come in and do right. it for, for one season, but I think, you know, with the, the yards on the ground is going to help him avoid that as well. And there was a couple of plays last year, particularly long rushing plays, and I know you can't rely on them all the time from the quarterback, but he had a few of them that were pulled back for uh, flags, blocks in the back and so on. Uh, I think there was a 40-yard rushing one game that he got in for. So, you know, if you had a yeah. few of those, you're, you're really starting to make money uh, at the quarterback yeah. position that has value. Uh, we did touch on the running backs a bit uh, earlier on when we were talking about Reggie Bush and so on, but uh, LaShawn McCoy, obviously the starter there, and this time last year, a lot of people were quite down on him, but I think going into the season now, there's a nice uh, kind of range there of workload and value, but whether he can withstand that workload is another question. But, but behind him, is there anyone with the way things have gone this offseason that you would have any interest in uh, in Buffalo, or is it just LaShawn McCoy or nothing? Um. I, I am big on LaShawn McCoy. I yeah. think that Carlos, the Carlos Williams suspension and has pushed him, him up a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of solidified him for me as a guy that I'm looking at beginning on the 2.12, 3.01 turn. Um, you know, just a lot of good uh, rushing mojo uh, <laughs> for, for, for this offense. You know, you yeah. got the dual threat quarterback. We've seen that the kind of impact Open that, that can up. make. Right. Uh, Greg Roman has an incredible rushing history, um, you know, go, dating back to San Francisco. I, I think that among NFL coaches, like they would consider him one of the, the top run game gurus if you buy into that sort of thing. Yep. Um, and then LaShawn McCoy, you know, I, I was down on him last year and he, you know, he was dealing with a hamstring injury and the year before he did not look to have the same burst and explosiveness uh, in 2014 with Philadelphia yeah. as he did in 2013. And to me, that was concerning. But then I thought it returned last year in Buffalo. And when he was healthy, he had a 10-game stretch where he was healthy um, you know, from the early season in, until his season was ended with a torn MCL. And he went 10 straight games with at least 100 yards from scrimmage and or a touchdown. So just really, really good consistency and uh, he will he will be the you know he will remain and during that stretch he averaged twenty one point two touches per game so they are not afraid to ride this dude yeah. he's in a great rushing environment and to me he's still he's still an elite talent at the position even though I think there were legitimate reasons to question whether that would be the case after his two thousand fourteen season um, so you know we talked about obviously you know I would say the lack of playmakers in Buffalo. You know, Calm really asked that question. One guy I'm curious about, and obviously, um, you know, uh, one guy we saw, you know, get a lot of money last offseason, didn't do as well as we thought despite the offense, uh, was Charles Clay. You know, he, he had a good yeah. couple seasons uh, in Miami. Then he signed this monstrous deal to go to Buffalo. Didn't really produce fancy relevant numbers consistently last year. Um, and, and, you know, this is an offense where not a lot's changed. You still have Stanley Watkins. You still have Robert Woods as their number two, LaShawn McCoy, Carlos Williams, Tyrod Taylor. Not much has changed uh, in terms of personnel. But do you think that, you know, this team could try and give um, Charles Clay a bigger role? Or is he a guy that really is going to stay un- uh, non-fancy relevant and is going to be the LaShawn McCoy, Tyrod Taylor, and Sammy Watkins show when, when those guys are healthy? Yeah, I mean, I think that Charles Clay can be a solid player from the Bills, for the Bills, in the Bills offense. 
but I don't think that he has a realistic chance of becoming a big-time fantasy factor unless Sammy Watkins were to get hurt. I mean, this team last year ranked 31st in the NFL in pass attempts. That is consistent with the histories of Greg Roman and Rex Ryan. Uh, They ranked 20th in the NFL in total offensive plays, so they run a pretty slow offense. That has been the case throughout Greg Roman's coaching tenure. Um, I just don't think there's going to be enough volume, you know, to support more than one guy. I mean, I think that Sammy Watkins has issues with volume. You know, in addition to his foot injury and his injury history, the biggest concern for him is volume. I mean, this dude, he he's not he's not like DeAndre Hopkins. He's not like Antonio Brown, and he has to be really really efficient in order to make his targets count because he doesn't have games where he gets 17 targets. You know, he has games where he gets usually like in the seven to nine range is a good week for him. And so, and he's their number one. And I don't really see a complimentary pass catcher emerging as a legitimate fantasy starter in this offense, barring an injury to Sammy. Yeah, I think it's it's very hard to see anything else coming out of the Bills with the the way things are going to go. I think it's going to be particularly with Tyrod and uh, LeSean McCoy very, very run-heavy, and then we'll see Sammy in there as well. Uh, that wraps up the AFC East. It's obviously been a lot of fun having Evan on the show. You should. I'm pretty sure if you're listening to this, you're already following Evan Silva, and if you're not, I don't know what you've been at uh, with your fantasy football playing. It's uh, at Evan Silva on Twitter. He is all over rotoworld.com and he's been doing a phenomenal uh, preview of all the teams for the upcoming season on rotoworld and i know that uh, evan you have that tagged at the top of your twitter feed so just go to that at evan silva uh, twitter handle and get through all those teams all 32 te- i think you've all 32 teams finished now evan is that correct yes sir yeah so it's it's definitely something that you need to go if you want to dominate your league this year go read it and uh, you definitely will not regret it uh, thanks evan it's been an absolute pleasure thanks so much for having me guys Hi, this is Greg Rosenthal, and you're listening to the Overtime Ireland Podcast. So that was Evan. Obviously, if you're listening here, you know uh, all the great information that he puts out at rotoworld.com and uh, tremendous, tremendous uh, information he's provided there for all of us. Uh, you should all be a little bit smarter now after listening to him talk AFC East. Doug, uh, happy with uh, getting to talk to Evan there for uh, a nice chunk of time? Yeah, yeah. I, I even got to ask him. I'm curious to see what he's going to tell everybody else. Who's this guy saying that LeGarrette Blunt may not be on the 53-man roster? <laughs> yeah, what kind of question this? is that? What is this? Who, who is this guy? This is like asking Belichick if Garoppolo is going to be the week five starter. Oh, yeah, actually, uh, that, that, we didn't actually bring that up. That is something that – can you do the uh, – I'll ask you the question and you can give the answer, but uh, any chance of uh, Garoppolo starting week five? Jesus Christ. <laughs> I think, and, and you know, uh, that that's a mild-mannered reply because, um, I, you know, he knows he's in front of the microphone. I think uh, after he left the stage, there was probably a few explicits put on to the end of that. I, I can't see anything like that taking place uh, uh, under any circumstances, unless Tom Brady gets injured uh, during those four weeks that he's suspended and can't play week five, but hopefully yeah, that doesn't happen. Yeah, I happen. mean, and it's crazy, <laughs> and, and this guy's press credentials are probably going to be cut after, uh, was probably after that uh, that press conference. But he, Actually, the, the, was his name Doug Moore, the guy asked the question? No, no, no. He looks like me, but I'm better looking. Uh, no, but um, you know, the crazy thing is, I think people have to realize this. Yes, is there some similarities to it? Yeah, but here's the other thing: is Drew Bledsoe was, you know, he was an above average quarterback, maybe even a top ten quarterback, but you know, 
compared to what the situation is and who Garoppolo, quote-unquote, might be replacing, we're talking about Tom Brady here, and not to be a fanboy, he's won four <laughs> Super Bowl rings with the Patriots. Yeah. He's arguably one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, if not already the greatest, and he's coming out playing an extremely elite level, even at age, I want to say 38. Uh, so he's 39 now, short, very shortly, or has turned it in the last week or so. Yeah, it, it's just a crazy question. I, you know, granted, you're going to see somebody ask it, and, and just, you know, it was a classic Belichick response, and for those who, who listened to what how I responded and <laughs> how Belichick responded, it was exactly the same way on purpose. Uh, it's really just a question where there's... There are two somewhat similarities, but obviously it's a situation where they're completely different in, in the players that we're talking about. So, uh, no, to answer the question, no. Jimmy Garoppolo, and I said this last night, Jimmy Garoppolo will not be the starter come week five if Tom Brady is healthy. Yeah, and um, I'm pretty sure that is definitely the uh, the real deal there. Um, this past weekend, I uh, gave away another one of the OTI t-shirts, but the difference this time was it was one of the brand new edition ones with the new logo and all on it. So, uh the first winner off that competition was Patrick Keo. He is actually an Irish man, so suitably the first one heading its way to Ireland. And uh, congratulations to him on winning that there. They'll obviously, over the next couple of weeks, we will be uh, giving them out from time to time. We'll run some competitions, but it won't be an every week case. But we have had a few people in touch over the, the last couple of days wondering about how they can go and get acquiring one if they want to help support the podcast. And by buying one, you would be supporting the show. Obviously, this is done uh, out of the goodness of myself and Doug's heart each and every week. And uh, it is a lot of fun doing it, but uh, if you can help cover some of those costs, it is greatly appreciated. So if you want to uh, get in touch and purchase one of those, do so at the Twitter handle. It is at Overtime Ireland. Obviously, Doug's on Twitter as I plug each and every show at Moore NFL. He was trying to plug all his articles to Evan Silva uh, while he was on, but I might give him uh, maybe a 25-second space here to uh, take the floor and tell us what he's got coming up. <laughs> so I'll try and make this quick. Uh, so some articles that came out la- late last week, <laughs> I talked about the Jets situation, uh, as I alluded to in the podcast, how that's going to shape up with Ryan Fitzpatrick. There. That's on gridironexperts.com. I think it's a really good article, and I'm not, you know, and obviously I'm not being modest at all. Um, also, have an article I will be coming out again. This is something I talked about with Evan. I'm going to quote a minute. <laughs> is Garrett Blunt a lock for the 53-man roster for the Patriots? Um, so that'll be something to look out for. That's going to be on Scout. Uh, I will be writing about uh, my experience at training camp the other day. Um, even though it was pouring rain, I still got to see a lot of good action. Um, and, and probably the only other thing, going back to Gridiron Experts, is um, seven players you could not pay me to draft. And spoiler alert, Matt Jones is on that list, uh, as I tried to allude to, that I do not like him, even on this show, as an yeah. EFCE show. So so that that's it. I know It's, it's not even the same conference, Doug. I, I know it's not the same conference, but we talked about the. It's still, it's still within a week. We talked about it, it on Wednesday with so with Mike Clay, so it's still resonating in my brain, and and I just can't get over my my not hatred, but my dislike for, for Matt Jones, and and I guess it, it it goes without saying that it might be mentioned every show, no matter what we're talking about, even if it's not in football related, I'll find a way to slip it in there. And uh, obviously that'll be the highlight of Evan's career, getting uh, quoted in Doug's article this coming week. And uh, we look forward to that coming out. And obviously, uh, as Doug alluded to there, if you haven't heard last week's two shows, we previewed the a- or the NFC uh 
East and I think the NFC West as well. I think it was the East and the West we done last week. We had Rotopad on, uh, Patrick Doherty, and of course Mike Clay from ESPN. So two fantastic shows there last week, and uh, the good guests keep rolling. It's going to be a one show week this week, and we'll be back with another show next week. And uh, stay tuned to the Twitter feed. Uh, start. Let's start. Uh, even though we are doing, um, you know division previews don't be afraid to send us in a few questions if you have for the upcoming shows and we'll try and use the best of those uh, in upcoming shows and who knows me and doug might even do just a, a question and answer show as well in the next few weeks as we head towards a football season it is exciting and we did talk a few weeks ago about football season finally starting uh, with july 4th well that's almost a month ago now and uh, times are really ramping up and very very exciting times indeed so until next week when we're back with another show of course my name's colin doug's on the other side and uh, be sure and follow Follow that at Overtime Ireland Twitter handle. Until the next one, have a good one. Toodles! Thank you for listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Please follow us on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. Check out OvertimeIreland.com and continue to spread the word. This has been an Overtime Ireland production.